The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. If you're loving this podcast, we invite you to go deeper and partner with us in our work by joining the Gravity Commons, our online community of practice for connecting and learning together. As a member of the Gravity Commons, you get access to live podcast recordings with upcoming guests, as well as other opportunities to connect and learn together with us in real time. Including learning labs, member meetups, discussion boards, online courses, and our practitioner podcast. Go to gravityleadership.com slash commons to find out more. See you in the commons. Ben and Christy, welcome back. Mm-hmm. Hey, welcome you back. Welcome you back. Matt. Well, I, I was here. as well. You guys have been on vacation. You all been yeah. gallivanting That's around true. the country. That's Living That's it true. up. <laughs> Not together with our own families, no, yeah. but yeah. you were in the south. Yeah, at least yes. this time. Ben, you were you on a road trip, yeah? Tell us about it. Um, yeah, so I took um, I took a road trip uh, with my daughter. My daughter, uh, my twenty one year old daughter, is doing a year with AmeriCorps at a school in Austin, Texas, and mm. she, um, you know, it's one of these jobs where you have to be there to do it. It's not one of these remote jobs, so she had to find a way to get down to Austin. What? So we packed up two cars worth of her stuff. Uh, and I drove down with her. It took two days to get down there. We stayed with our friends in Little Rock um, on the way down, and then I stayed with them on the way back, and we stayed with friends in Austin. So, uh, yeah, it was like four consecutive days. For me, it was four consecutive days of driving eight-plus hours. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, Do you it listen was, to podcasts? I did. Books? I listened to, like, my entire podcast queue that I had all loaded up. I listened to I exhausted it completely on the way down. And then I downloaded an, uh, a sci-fi audiobook um, and listened oh. to the entire thing on the way back. Wow. So, Which okay, one was tell, that? Tell us. Yeah. The book was The Three-Body Problem. You guys ever heard of that? No. It's kind of a, it's, it's what's termed hard science fiction, uh, which just means that it is, um, uh, it's very sort of nerdy, uh, is my <laughs> understanding of that. Um, and so All he science- goes... Well, all no, no. science fiction science is fiction. hard for me. <laughs> yeah, all sinus. Yes. Um, no, science. Uh, fiction, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's. It is, and it was a bit nerdy. So there's a lot of explanation about the physics of how things work, you know, and how, and it. There's like an, uh, an alien civilization, and there's kind of this mystery about what's going on, and it's super. It's actually super fascinating, um, but it does get into the weeds a bit, and so, hmm. uh, but. I found out as well as I was researching the book, because it's kind of a famous uh, sci-fi series. Um, like a, It's a trilogy of novels. I'm on the second one now. Um, but Netflix is actually, the, the guys who did Game of Thrones are bringing it to Netflix as a 24-episode uh, like series. Oh, really? Netflix. So I'm actually oh, kind of looking really? forward to that. So it's a pretty okay. interesting story. 
That is on the opposite side of the spectrum of things I listen to when I'm in the mm. car. Yeah. And we, we just drove, you know, 18 hours to Michigan and then 18 hours back. And so oh, yeah. my podcast Similar. is like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell. We always like okay. listen to some of his stuff and, sure. uh, you know, Bama and I don't know. Anyway, all this. But I started listening to A Cry of the Soul by Dan Allender oh, um, yeah. about Good. emotions in the Bible and. That's yeah. Cool. Anyway, that that's what I spent my time when I wasn't listening to the kids. Hey, can you play this song? Type thing. I was playing like you know radio DJ. Radio oh, cool. DJ. That's, that's fun. Cool. And, and where'd you all yeah. go, Christy? We went to Holland, Michigan, my hometown. My parents still live wow, there. My sister and parents live right in the lake, so there's like kayaking and swimming all day, every day, and so fun. So it was really good. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. But it's good to be back too. You know, rhythms are like you know thrown out the window. Oh, I feel I like on vacation, so um, as they should be. Yeah. But I was reflecting on that too. Like I, I did two year, two weeks, two years. I did two weeks of vacation <laughs> uh, earlier in July, and then this, you know, you know, it's kind of moving my daughter down. I tried to. It wasn't really a vacation. I tried to do some work in between, but didn't get much done. Um, so anyway, so I have felt like July has been this like in and out. It's been hard yeah. to get traction. So right. we're recording this in August, August 1st. Uh, it's yeah. August 2nd by the time you guys are listening to it. But it's, I don't know, I found myself like, okay, it's time to get some traction. Let's, yeah. let's do School's it. Gonna it's going to start. August. School's starting this week for our kids. Yeah. So, All the things. Well, our kid, yeah. our one remaining kid at home. So Yeah. Yeah, Your and book's been out one week. Woo-hoo! That's right. It's our it's our book's one week anniversary. I know. Happy birthday. Happy seven day anniversary. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, y'all, it's been loads of I've, fun. I've been so incredibly surprised by the sort of mm. positive feedback and good messages that listeners of this podcast are sending us, mm. DMs, and um, it's just wonderful. And and yes. I just I just went on there this morning, um, and we have thirty six reviews up on Amazon, mm. which is just cool? so cool. So. Anyway, yeah. thank you if you've read, if you've purchased, if you've let a review. Thank you so much. It's just yeah. incredible. It has it's been good. incredible. It, people ask me how the launch is going, and I, I usually tell them it feels really good. Um, <laughs> I have no idea objectively if it's going well. <laughs> you know, like I don't know from all those like sales and whatever you know kinds of uh, aspects that we haven't really we don't really know. Um, but well, it feels great because of everybody. Yeah, just giving us all the all the positive vibes. You guys got me a speaking engagement, by the way. What? Oh, we got you a speaking engagement? Yeah, your book did. I mean, I'm not the author, but I get to talk about it a lot, which is really fun. There's (laughs) there's two churches in Denver who are using your book as like a sermon series. And they, because I live an hour away, they're like, can you come and preach on this Sunday? Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I'm excited. It'd be really fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for speaking engagement. That's amazing. Yeah, that's that's super rad, Christy. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, All right. Well, cool. today we're what talking we about Axiom Six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we okay. are getting there, y'all. We're getting there with our axioms. Uh, God today's does axiom. This, God Go does ahead. the same work through us and in us. Yep. That's the one. That's the one. Can I um, just say I really like the quotes at the very beginning? By the way. Yeah. These oh. are. Um, yeah. The little epigraphs. I like all books that have that, but I specifically mm-hmm. the the quotes that you guys picked. Are really great. And for this um, axiom in particular or just in general? Well, for book? all axioms, but okay. particularly this one. In fact, I posted mm. it on social media a couple weeks ago. Oh, did you? Um, because Dallas Willard is great and and a, I'm a fan. And yeah. he says, this is what boy. you put at the beginning. Yeah. He says, the main thing God gets out of your life is not the achievements you accomplish, it's the person you become. Whew. And um, I'm pretty sure D-willing. I need to hear that like every day. Yeah. <laughs> D. Willie, so, D. Yeah. Willie, he was—he's been so helpful for us. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you. Yeah, awesome. But well, I really, I'm glad, I like I'm glad these... you're getting speaking engagements, Christy. <laughs> if anybody else, if anybody else would like to hire Christy <laughs> to come and uh, speak, <laughs> that's right. This uh, is right. She enjoys doing that. Yeah, Matt and I do too. But Christy, that's awesome. So. <laughs> all right. Well, should we get into it? Let's do it. I think so. I think that's all we got to jump announce. in. So. Awesome. Let's jump in. Here we go. Enjoy, everybody. Axiom 6. (laughs) 
Hey, listeners, we are once again joined by Christy Pimley, Gino Kirk Carudo, and Ben Sternk. Hey, everybody. That's how Siri pronounces my name. I know. I, like, I kind of like that. Do you like it? You know it? how Siri pronounces your name? Tell me. Teb. Uh, it refuses to learn. Like, I can't imagine anybody's actually saying to Siri, like, Sternk, but it just refuses to learn that, like, yeah. every single if, time somebody puts that into Siri, I'm sure Siri's like, oh, I know what you mean, Sternk. If AI is ever <laughs> going tricky. to take over the world and cannibalize our bodies, mm. you're right going to have to learn yeah. how to pronounce German last names, yeah, yeah. Siri. Everybody's but in the meantime, I love... <laughs> I love getting group uh, text messages read to me from both of you guys. It's, it's a joy. I'm like, who are those people? And why are their names so shortened? Yeah. Well, regardless of how you want to say our names, uh, we are all here, and we are working our way systematically, uh, joyfully, through this book that Ben and I have written, uh, Having the Mind of Christ. I had to look at it. Sometimes I mess up the title. Um, and today we're on Axiom 6. Axiom 6, which is God does the same work through us and in us. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that drove, I think, us exploring this was uh, the Dallas Willard quote that has been oft repeated on this podcast and in our relationships, Ben, mm -hmm. that uh, what God gets out of us isn't yeah. what we produce, but it's who we become. Yeah. Um, and Jesus, you know, Jesus has this incredible cosmologically transforming project, um, which, you know, Paul talks about in Ephesians 3, about the church bearing witness to the principalities and powers, about the wisdom of God. Yeah. But Jesus uh, is not primarily concerned about getting jobs done. He's concerned about developing and loving people. Yeah. And so this axiom brings us back to the necessity twofold. One, of of not trying to do things for God, but seeing that you're a part of God's work and participating in God's work. Mm -hmm. uh, and two, really, really, especially for those of us who are called into leadership, who have a greater capacity or competencies, to uh, primarily be, be uh, to, to see God's primary work through your life mm -hmm. as the work He's doing in your life. Yes. yes. That, uh, that as we become less resistant to the Holy Spirit, as we become more available to God's love, as our our volition and our desire is more and more shaped by the kingdom of God, we will naturally, we can't help but not right. do more for God. There's more of us available to God to mm -hmm. do, right? And so uh, there's just an intimate connection, I think, in this axiom that we see modeled in the life of Jesus between the exterior life, the life of activism and justice, and the interior life, uh, the life of what we could say um, uh, holiness and shalom mm -hmm. and personal piety. And so, uh, yes. yeah, this, this axiom is important to us. It's come out of a lot of situations, and they're more and more frequent. I know a lot of listeners can relate, where we've been around highly competent, highly charismatic people mm -hmm. who neglected the work of God in their own life, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, a person with high competency and charisma, but without the requisite character to bear that competency, uh, leads to lots of uh, church boo-boos. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, I don't know if yeah. that tickled me, the way you said that. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, we were just talking on a text thread earlier today about Ben Chuckles. I'm glad I got one. <laughs> <laughs> I had no like idea his, that there was such a thing as a Ben chuckle, and then I was like, wait, do I chuckle? Do I chuckle a lot? Is there a, is yeah. there a thing? Uh, anyway, but in all yeah. reality, around, those aren't church boo-boos. Those are like, you know, like need stitches. I'm at the ER. You, right. Like, yeah, the, the, there's gash. trauma there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's why it uh, made me chuckle. Was like yeah, okay, sure, that's Christine. understated. Right. Yes. <laughs> Which is probably part of uh, what you were going there for, Matt. So. I was trying to understate it, but I also wasn't trying to make light of it. So yes, good. I'm glad that we were. I was able to clarify that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as has become our custom here, our rhythm, uh, Christy and Gino, how how has this axiom shown up in your mm. life? Where and when has has this proven true, or is this becoming helpful, Christy? Let's start with you. Yeah. 
Um, you know, in the in the chapter, you talk about how we replicate ourselves, um, and like what's happening inside of us ultimately comes out, and then as we pour into other people, right, it's gonna come out in them. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I was in college, and I was at a conference, and the speaker basically asked, it was like a breakout session, asked us to always be being poured into and always be pouring out to somebody. And we committed like to to have our lives be that. And um, as I read this chapter, I was thinking like, who are the people who have poured into me, who have character and competency and who have poured into me, but then who am I pouring out to? And if I I'm just getting poured into and not pouring out. I get like, you know, the gross LG water. <laughs> um, and so just staying committed to that and kind of looking at, oh, here are the three college kids I'm like really being intentional with this summer mm-hmm. um, and sharing with them, not just like, you know, we're going, actually we're going through your workbook um, and I just bought them a copy of this book because I want them to read it. But also sharing what is God doing in me and um, where am I being challenged? And if I don't have a story about that, that's um, a problem. And so really wanting to be honest and share that because I think it does encourage and challenge people when we can be honest about where we're growing, it impacts those that we're pouring into. Yeah. Yeah, Christy, I appreciate you sharing that. I think one of the things we articulate in this chapter is that different different kinds of people, I think, to have different temptations or challenges when it comes to this, um, what the reality that this axiom seeks to name. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- some of us, you know, if maybe we're more uh, leader, leadery types, we get a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our ego uh, pats on the back from um, people listening to us um, or thinking we have brilliant thoughts, that kind of a thing. I think the temptation is to always be pouring out, um, but then never to be uh, growing or being poured into or opening our life to um, somebody else um, who can, you know, actually, you know, speak into us. And so the I think the temptation is that we would like for God to work through us without much concern about God working in us. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I, in talking with a lot of other people, um, as we've kind of worked these axioms out in various relationships and contexts, um, we recognize the other temptation is very real for for people as well, that um, they love the idea of somebody helping me and pouring into me. But when it comes to sharing what God is doing in my life or thinking that I could maybe even be participating in some somehow extending you know the, the God's rule and reign or God's love into the world that that is deeply threatening and and doesn't feel like pos- that's possible and so there's the temptation for to kind of value God working in our lives without allowing God to work through our lives yeah um, I also I find that as I get to be middle-aged mm-hmm. it's important to make sure that there are people pouring into me. There's this expectation mm. of I'm pouring out to other people, yeah. but I need the, the the next generation to pour into me. And so I'm thankful I've mentioned on here before, you know, I have Del Reese who's almost 80 years old and meet yeah. with her on a weekly basis. And she teaches, you know, just, just two weeks ago, I was like, tell me, what are you learning? And she's like, oh, I'm learning about my, in my prayer life. And she kind of went into this whole story. And I was like, mm. that's amazing. I hope when I'm 80, <laughs> I'm still learning, right? Yeah, and I'm yeah. still being challenged. And totally. But I do think that there is a – it's easier for me, for sure, to mm-hmm. find people to pour out to. Yeah. It's harder um, to find people to pour into me. And so um, yeah. if the next generation is listening, you guys need yeah. to find someone, too, to pour out to. <laughs> find someone like me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I will say, Christy, you yeah. saying that um, entering you're entering into middle age – like that freaked me out temporarily, but I guess that's kind of where we're at, right? <laughs> that's where we're at, friends. Is that where we're at? Yep. I think so. Okay, I'm gonna need... Well, Ben's paved the way <laughs> for you. You'll be fine. You need a moment, guys. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, G- Gino is actually almost halfway yeah, through middle age. I'm past middle age <laughs> by 80, all statistical right? measurements. <laughs> he's yeah. almost 80. If this is halfway there, I'm, I'm going to be living a long time. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Mm. Uh, um. Well, all middle-aged jokes aside, um, I, there's some there's more to be said about about finding people to pour into us. I, I've had people that that wanted to pour into me, 
and that set themselves up as mm. somebody who Ooh, yeah. should pour into me, yeah, that really hurt me. Um, like, and what they meant by pour into me wasn't, let me give you access to my life. Let me um, care for you well. Let me, uh, you know, be authentic and vulnerable to you. What they meant was, I want to groom you to use you. Or I want you to be impressed with me so that you'll be a part of my fan club. Or I... I get excited or I, you know, um, you know, I, I get, I get sort of my needs met by having people think that I'm smart, intelligent, wise, and it's like an, it's like a controlling self thing. And so, um, I don't know if that's happened. It doesn't seem like this happened to you, Christy, but that's happened to, I know a lot of people who went looking for someone was like, Hey, let your life rub off on me. And then they realize later down the road of like, Oh, you, you don't realize how damaging mm. your presence is. You don't. Maybe you don't even understand what you're doing. Um, mm. So I just want to name that because I think that's happened to yeah. some people too. Um, Gino, how about for you? How is this? Yeah, there's there's true? a number of times and places when this has proven true. I think one most recent Kairos, just a few years ago, was probably the most meaningful, and it's around the implications that you name of this axiom. And Christy just mentioned it. You reproduce who you are. So around you know a few years ago, I'm a church planter, and thinking about the pressures that surround us to produce from outside and inside. I mean, outside yeah. the church, inside the church, inside interior, our own hearts. <laughs> and um, was feeling that you know so much of my emphasis was on trying to make things happen trying to see things happen and, and possibly to prove that I was the right person to have that happen. And so in my efforts to reproduce disciples, leaders in the church, I was really convicted by the thought of like, what am I reproducing? And maybe I need to think about who am I reproducing? Because you know what my city, Philadelphia, doesn't need? My city doesn't need another white male pastor who's trying to multiply things to gain approval and validate their gifting. <laughs> I don't are think. You, are you sure? I don't think you. I don't think your city needs that either. Wherever oh. you are, but I, I'll take responsibility okay. for myself. And so this started to move from conviction to good news as I started thinking that if I reproduce who I am, maybe I should just be who I am. Maybe I should stop attempting to be the thing that I think I need to be to get the results I'm supposed to have. Hmm. And so what if I lived into these axioms? What if I embodied trust instead of fear around what is the future of our church? Yeah. What if I, what would that look like? And what could it look like to kind of release my grip on making things happen and being open to what's happening all around me in my neighborhood with others? naming my own desires and fears, just like saying what I'm saying now is what I was able to start saying then. And then maybe we'd reproduce people who would do the same. Maybe yeah. they would be free to do that instead of a, a, a situation where we're all anxious trying to achieve something and none of us maybe in two generations even know why mm -hmm. we're doing that. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's a good word, you know. Well, maybe what, where is, where is this hard for you to, to live into this or to, to trust it? Um, or where has this in your past or even presently, uh, been difficult for you? Mm. Gina, let's start with you. Well, probably the same spot as I just mentioned. It's, <laughs> I don't want to think I've, I've got that figured out, but, mm. um, I also, I also think that, it's difficult for me and many people around me to, to kind of live into this idea of God not using us um, because of just our own formation. Of, of that, that, that could possibly be a good phrase for people, and I think you guys recognize that, right? Right. That, that there, there are uses of use that aren't bad, but it's yeah. exploitive is what we're talking about. God yes. isn't exploitive good. of people. Yeah. And God desires to co-create yeah. with. He never abuses his authority or diminishes our agency. Mm -hmm. And I think finding, yeah. I don't want to say balance, because I'm not a fan of that word in most situations. <laughs> but I want to say that finding that with our own 
past formation and current formation within relationships in real time, I find that to be a challenge because mm -hmm. of assumptions, because of presumptions, because of mistakes, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how about yeah, for you, Christy? I think it's interesting to me because as I was thinking about kind of where am I seeing this in my life, I thought, oh, you know, when I'm learning something, when, when I'm being challenged in a certain way, when I have kairoses that are kind of clustering around a certain issue or whatever, I just want to get through them. I, I just want them to be over because I just want to be on the other side of it and and be like, okay, now I can like reproduce myself instead of actually going through the work and the process of really being having eyes opened, hearts opened, and imagination expanded to God, what are you doing in me? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's where I find it difficult is that when I have clusters of lessons around the same area, I just want it to be over. And then I want to have, I want the lesson. I want it to be tied up in a little bow and be able to tell it on like a Sunday night to college kids as if I've like <laughs> accomplished and finished and like, instead of being present to more of God digging in a little bit deeper to really unearth um, the depths of what he's, what he's doing in me. Hi, my name is Jill Brown and I'm from Midland, Texas. I have been in a gravity leadership cohort for the past year and a half. I am not employed by a church, but I was interested in spiritual transformation, so I decided to join a group. At times, my life had felt like I was operating out of a fragmented, achievement-driven, broken place. But during these weekly Zoom calls, the gravity training has helped me integrate and embody God's love in my life and I have a greater sense of this wholeness to share with others. If you've ever felt like there was something missing in your understanding of God, or if you are curious about how God shows up in your everyday life, check out Gravity Leadership and see if it's for you. To find out more about Gravity Leadership Academy, visit gravityleadership.com academy. I do notice that this, it's one thing to state this as an axiom, right? It's one thing to recognize that this is um, a paradigm that we're, that we're seeking to live into. Um, but it, like the way that those paradigms work is actually, we have to actually continually notice, right? It's, it's an ongoing series of what we call kairoses, where mm. we have to continually notice how this is at, at work uh, in our lives. And I, I think one of the implications that, uh, that makes this difficult for me this axiom difficult for me to kind of live out is um, there's like a, there's a principle in uh, like adaptive leadership, kind of the way of thinking about leadership called adaptive, adaptive leadership um, that says the the leader is always the most changed person in any system uh, because they have to do the most work to sort of manage their own anxiety. And I like, I think that principle comes into play uh, in this axiom um, yeah. for, for me mm -hmm. because I notice like when I'm leading and I've had several opportunities over the last few years in the middle of one right now where I'm leading or participating in leading. It's not just me, myself, but participating in leading a significant change for an organization or for a community. And man, I find it so difficult to just keep coming back to, I think my tendency or my temptation is to, is to sort of come to the conclusion about where we need to end up. And then like, go for that, like go, let's go for, here's where I think we need to end up. And so I push for a result. I feel this temptation and I have to constantly come back to just managing my own, recognizing that as anxiety in me and managing my own anxiety and saying, God, what work are you seeking to do in me? What, what are you building into me in terms of, and, and how can I become the kind of person who is able to not just lead this community and change, but also just steward a process whereby we're all being transformed as we come with our kairoses, as we come in honesty with where we're at. And so God is at work in the midst of this process, no matter where the result goes. I have to bring myself back to that again and again and again. And this axiom helps, but it's, where, it's one area that I struggle for sure. Mm. Yeah. Well, and even when I notice that I don't think I'm as far along as I thought I was. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, where where I feel like I'm kind of taking two steps back instead of actually one step forward. That's really a struggle for me. Mm. Um, can I share a quick little personal story about that? A couple of weeks ago, I told you guys how, um, actually it was, I told you a couple of weeks ago, but what happened was several months ago when I was in the Jeep and I was like hitting the steering wheel saying, fix it, God, fix Mm -hmm. it. And I was really angry. And I think God is teaching, like I'm really noticing being able to share anger and, and, Hmm. and express anger in a healthy way. That's been something that's, I think was looked down upon. I wasn't taught. It wasn't modeled for me. And so all anger was bad initially yeah. when I was a kid, right? right, right. Um, and so I'm learning and processing, how do you have anger and not be mean? <laughs> you know, you can be mad, but you can't be mean is what we teach our kids. Well, um, it comes, yeah. That's it comes a good out, axiom, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It comes out in such um, interesting ways. And so here's my story from this week, um, which... Yeah. Anyway, you guys, it's kind of gross, but my mm. kid was, uh, I asked him to clean the bathroom. And so he took the toilet bowl cleaner and you know, like, you know, like the thing has like a hook on it. You kind of put the toilet bowl mm-hmm. cleaner like in the toilet and you scrub yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So he did it. And I, apparently all of that toilet bowl cleaner was then empty. Like he used it all. It was gone. And so him and his creative mind, he decided to take the top off of the toilet bowl cleaner, rinse it out, and then put orange juice in it, hmm. and he was going to use it like a drink <gasps> glass thing to drink oh, out no. of it. And so he did. He concocted like lemon juice and lime juice and orange juice. He poured it in there. I come into the kitchen, and boyfriend is drinking out of the toilet bowl cleaner container. And I nearly lost my biscuits, friends. Oof. I was like, what are you doing? And um, – and immediately I was in my head like, okay, God, I am so angry right now. And what was fueling that was fear. I I, I mean, he could have died truly. I mean, (laughs) it's poison. (laughs) And, um, and I just asked him, I'm like, I need you, I need to talk to you about this. I need to go outside Mm. right now. Mm. And I just, mama needs a few minutes because what I realized could have happened was really scary to me. But I also wanted to be able to feel anger and be like, no, th- I get why there's anger here because there was fear of the fact that he could have been poisoned. Mm-hmm. And processing that and letting me feel that and then addressing it with him of trying mm-hmm. to explain to him like what all just happened. Because um, I I had all these crazy lies of I'm a bad mom. Like why is my kid trying to drink out of the toilet bowl cleaner container? Didn't I teach him anything? You know, all of these things. Um but yet it was, it seems so small in the sense of like, really, that's how you're learning how to handle anger. But it was, it was just another opportunity of yeah. how am I processing this and being honest about the fact that I'm angry yeah. and naming what's happening. Yeah. And so, but I don't, I don't like those lessons. No, <laughs> I, Christy, I appreciate you sharing that because I think this comes back to something you said earlier, Gino. Um, like when you said, I, like, uh, if I reproduce who I am, why don't I just be who I am? <laughs> um, which I appreciated the simplicity of that. Cause I think like I, one of the big paradigm shifts for me that's encapsulated in this axiom is that I think I used to think of like you reproduce who you are. And I was thinking in terms of like my brilliant performance of virtue or my, like the, who I am is going to be this, like you're, you're a great teacher and you perform virtue really well. Um, but the paradigm shift was, well, what if I, what if I became the kind of person who could repent quickly? Mm. What if I became the kind of person who knew how to deal with my anger to your point, Christy? Like, what if I became the kind of person who knew how to apologize when I hurt someone? I was like, well, that, that's all seems like good stuff to pass on to people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't actually need to be very virtuous yet to practice those things. I just need to be willing to be wrong. I need to be willing and humble enough to admit when I'm wrong and to, mm-hmm. and to articulate that and to apologize to people that I've hurt, even if I'm supposed to be leading them, so to speak, you know, if I have some degree of authority, um, I actually, uh, there's a huge freedom for me just in realizing, Oh, that is leadership. That is allowing God to work through me by, being an example of someone who can do these things. And this is the That's kind right. of character I want to pass on anyway. So 
Yeah. Like I actually don't need to achieve anything before I can start practicing this. I can just start being the kind of person who is willing to be wrong. Like mm-hmm. let's start there. That's a good place to start. Yeah. 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 yeah we talk about that in the book in terms of <clears throat> Jesus's teaching about the log and the speck. Yeah. And how often the things that we, the plans we have, the, the designs we have, the vision we have for God to do things out in the world is often obscured or compromised mm-hmm. by the mm-hmm. logs in our eyes. And so we don't mm-hmm. see clearly, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, this this move to become the kind of person who takes our own bodies as ground zero for the unbreaking of the kingdom, not somebody else's, or our own lives rather than some other, or, or our own churches rather than some right. other communities, mm-hmm. is uh, of tantamount importance, not only so that, you know, we can participate in the God that Jesus reveals, but also so we don't become giant uh, jerk wagons, you know, yeah. out in the world. Yeah. Who cause boo-boos. Wagons yeah. full of jerks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, something happened to me today. Can I share this story of what happened today? I'm sitting here at my, t- at my desk, <clears throat> and I don't have a video on, so I can't see behind me. And I got, I've got my AirPods in on the silent mode, which, God bless the silent mode AirPods. And I'm oh, yeah, typing no. away, yeah. and my daughter, who's 10, and her friend sneak in my room, and Cece gets right up behind me and goes, <laughs> like super loud. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I know like biochemically, like when I get scared, like my limbic system comes online, like I know that. But this time, I felt my amygdala in my head <laughs> because it was going crazy. I actually felt my brain stem freaking out. And... <sighs> And like I'm like one of the main sanctifying agents in my life right now is learning how to care for and love my daughter. Mm-hmm. She wants to care for me in ways that are completely left-handed for me. When she wants to connect with me, she comes and scares me. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's not at all what I would if I was making a daughter in a uh, daughter lab, that is not <laughs> the way that I would make her. Yeah. And so in that moment, like, I am, like, so angry, and I'm looking at her and her friend, Emma, and they're both smiling, and I'm like, do not let her have it, (laughs) right? So, like, just becoming, having a container for that anger, noticing Mm -hmm. that anger, noticing that, like, what I want, what I want to be done outside of me right now is for a 10-year-old who, who doesn't, uh, who doesn't do that to me, like a, like a crazy person. Right, um, but but I know that like regardless of if my daughter ever decides to connect with me a different way, mm-hmm. uh, there is a resiliency in this moment that I have a, I have agency and choice in of mm-hmm. how I'm going to respond if I'm going to give my body over to rage, mm-hmm. or if I'm going to smile and just say you really scared the junk out of me, which is what I did. <laughs> And all that junk, you'll be glad to know, is being put into a container. I'm going to talk about it later on a podcast so that I don't yell at you. The junk container. <laughs> I, I felt like, though, I needed like to shake my... I felt like I needed like electric shock therapy after that because I had so much cortisol in my body. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it was crazy. Well, this, isn't that... That's the biochemical <clears throat> kind of thing is, as well, isn't it? Like I, in just the cursory reading I've done on trauma, like they do say that that actually like dancing or like moving your body or shaking, it's kind of why like animals do some of that sometimes. Yeah. Um, they yeah. just mm-hmm. shake it, shake it off, as Taylor Swift mm-hmm. says. Well, shake maybe that's off. why I'm so jacked up because I just went back to uh, sending emails. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you need to shake that off. Uh, need to go for yeah. a run. Go for uh, a run. Know. There you go, Gino. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep moving. What do you, Gina, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, I think it's in the epistles, First Timothy, maybe Second Timothy. There, there, there is the metaphor being, uh, that, that is used, no pun intended, of God using mm-hmm. us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's maybe getting at this, but I'm wondering, are there things missing or questions this chapter leaves you with or stuff that you would be interested in exploring more? Mm, I, I think that the... Uh... Yeah, I was left with wanting to talk more about the integration of through and in. That you, it, it comes up, it's kind of where the chapter is leaves off, and I think the point is made. I just 
get curious about that. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. first question I ask is maybe not the most helpful one, but like, tell me what that looks like because I just <laughs> want to do that more. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but like expand my imagination, help me see not just the process and some stories, but what, what more might we need to know? What, what more might you wanted to say mm-hmm. um, after writing that about, mm-hmm. about that integration? Yeah. And the answer might be, we said what we wanted to say, and that's okay too. <laughs> I, don't know, I was trying to make a <laughs> trying to make a joke about that. I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> can I can I give an example? I, yeah, please. I I feel like um, in the last several years, I've really changed the way that I use social media. And one of the ways I've changed is I've started to speak really directly and plainly about things like racial justice. Mm. And I do that as somebody who's learning. Like I'm not an expert. I'm learning, and. I think I think it's a part of this calibration of in and through, Gino, for me not to so I think if I think if these aren't integrated, then I don't say anything until I'm a hundred percent sure that I'm right. And then if I'm wrong, oh my gosh, it's the most devastating thing ever. Right? And I can only speak yeah. categorically or directly or plainly if I have crossed every uh T and dotted every I, et cetera. I'm trying to I'm trying to not let this paralysis of perfection keep me from moving in spaces that I'm learning in and that I'm and that my speaking up in is a form of making things right. So there's a repentance or a repair that my speaking hopefully contributes to. Mm. Um, in my own life, personally, but also in the greater culture. So that means that I, I'm i trying to carve out the space of everything I share as things I'm learning, I'm happy to be wrong, but also not, but also like not letting people get away with tomfoolery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, shenanigans. Yeah. I don't know if that, if that's an example yeah, that that's, corresponds to what you're talking about. That's really helpful to me. I, I, I think of something as you say that, that's completely a different scenario, but oftentimes I've been in church environments where you, you don't step into any kind of leadership role, whatever that looks like in that context, until you've proven yourself like an expert in some way. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. therefore, what is being reproduced, what is being demonstrated is you must be perfect before you can perform yeah. anything. And so I think that you're, you're kind of learning as you go and learning to calibrate and integrate in, in this one um, example that you gave is really helpful for a lot of different situations to yeah. take that to heart. Yeah. It's similar to what came to mind for me when you asked that question, Gino. And, and I, I think that, I think that the way that I'm trying to integrate those things is similar in that I'm trying to be willing to be a person who is in process. Um, and so similar to what I shared earlier, but just like somebody who can make mistakes and not, you know what I mean? Like not like my act of faith is being willing to go kind of lean into something without knowing whether or not I'm going to be good at it or I'm going to say the right thing exactly. Or, you know, being willing to just dive into something and kind of see what happens. Um, my act of, that's, that's an act of faith for me in, in knowing that, okay, the person I'm becoming as I do this is more important than the result of what I end up doing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's, that's become an important sort of life posture uh, for me in a lot of different areas, you know, as it comes, deals with my parenting, talking with, you know, talking with my kids, it's, man, just a lot of areas of life, my leadership, you know, in, in the church um, and in gravity right now, just tons of different areas, trying to be willing to be in process, be a learner, somebody who can, uh, somebody, it's a deeply freeing to me to know that I can step into something, any, any kind of situation as someone who knows certain things and someone who doesn't know certain things and someone who is free to learn in that situation yeah. and, and be wrong and just be real and that's like the best way that I can show up. Oh, it's deeply freeing when I can get myself in that space. Yeah, we're talking around this. And I know if we talk about this in the book, but this is some of the fruit, I think, of this axiom in my life. Hmm. Is that it's no longer the worst thing 
that could happen to me to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And repentance isn't something I try to avoid and do less and less the more I'm a Christian. But, you know, we said this in the podcast too, like the best thing that happened to me today is that I'm wrong and somebody shows me and I have a chance to repent and, yeah. and make things right. Like, why would I not want that? And if I have a spirituality or I, have a, I live in a culture where that isn't celebrated or expected or honored, then something mm-hmm. is deeply unchristian about that culture. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so for me, this axiom opens the door into like, you know, there's lots of language we can use here, but it just tells my ego, take a chill. Mm-hmm. Or as Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar would say, mm-hmm. sit down, B. Be humble. Right? <laughs> Be humble. <laughs> right? Be humble. Like, and so for me, it's freeing because now what it means to lead isn't that I pretend like I'm perfect or have it all together. But it's that I'm, I have a group of people who love me enough to help me tend to what's happening. Yeah. So there's not, there's, the pretense is gone, and I just get to tend. I just mm-hmm. get to tend, which mm-hmm. is, you know, God is always present and at work, even yeah. in your, the worst badness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? No, it's good. I'm, I'm sorry. Really I was. I, that, I feel like that was implied in what we were saying, and I wanted to make it explicit. Yeah, it's good. <sighs> you know, All as right, I well. read, wait, I've got one more thing. Can I? Can I share just one? Oh quick yeah, thing? I was going to say anything. Anything else? Go for it. Yeah, I just. Um, I think I've told you guys this in private, but I haven't maybe said this on the podcast. Is as I read these chapters. I am finding myself writing questions at the end of the chapter because I'm going to be taking a group of people through this book in the fall, and I want discussion questions after each chapter. Like, I want small group questions, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of my small group questions that I wrote at the end of this chapter was, um, who are you becoming? Mm -hmm. And who would your spouse or your best friend say you're becoming? Um, And to see if those are, you know, coincide with each other. And so um, I'm curious, you kind of both alluded to maybe, Matt, you're learning about anger and Ben, you're learning about being a learner. I guess I'm going to throw that back and say, okay, well, who would your wives say you're becoming? Would that be different Mm -hmm. than how you just maybe Mm -hmm. answered that? Yeah, she would probably say I'm becoming chubbier. (laughs) <laughs> they might not be mutually exclusive though so sure i'm just yeah, yeah. i'm just going with the first thing that occurred to me i'm pretty sure that would how, how about for you ben what That's, would your spouse say um i don't I, she's probably just in the other room i could ask her i could ask her so uh but that i mean it's a good it's a good uh i'm gonna text her right now see what she yeah, says yeah just text her let me well i could text her let me know hold on um yeah anyway is she uh i think it's a good it's a good check though on like that question is a good, um, it's a good check on our own sort of self perception and it's good to just yeah. check with, cause we all like, I can't remember what law this is, but like we all have this, we all have a, we all tend to evaluate ourselves in a better light than mm-hmm. we evaluate others. And so I think it goes without saying that we all sort of think the best thoughts about ourselves and we give ourselves mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And it can be really helpful and useful to ask those kinds of questions to say, hey, how do you experience me? And this is something that I think I'm learning right now. Uh, do you see this playing out in our relationship or where does this need to play out in our relationship for you to, for you to be able to see where this is happening? So help, help mm-hmm. me understand my impact on your life so that God, the things that I perceive God doing in me are right. actually flowing through me. Like I, right. cause I think a lot of times we don't, I don't know, we sort of trust that it must be happening or it should be happening, but maybe there's habits, you know, that are ingrained, embedded in these relationships that need to change. And the only way for us to repent is just to ask, Hey, what needs to change in our relationship yeah. for you to trust that this is the kind of person I'm becoming? Yeah. You, you know what else occurs to me, Christy, as you ask that question is, how would I know? How would I? Yeah. How would I know who I'm becoming? Mm-hmm. What are the? What, what what am I assessing or evaluating? What data points is, am I paying attention to? What are the artifacts of who I am? Right. Yeah. What would you say? Like how? I don't. I don't want to get too esoteric here, but 
you know, how, <laughs> how would I? How would I know who I'm becoming? Mm-hmm. Right. Seems like it. There has there's a connection to greater freedom of not believing lies mm-hmm. about yourself. I think that that would at least for me that's like one thing that stands out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- I think like your your actions, your words, your reactions to things. Right. God's wor- at work in you, Matt, in teaching you about anger, and then your reaction to Cece was different today mm-hmm. because there's been work in your life mm. because God's been at work in mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. so I think you you do look at those things. Mm. Um, th- I guess the fear is, the flip is, right? It, it can't just be uh, what you do in public, right? I, that, that's where it, it's also what you do in private because you can pull off yeah. a lot of crap in public. <laughs> people mm. can fool people, not you, but I'm saying people in general can fool other people. But I think it's... It's what we do in private and in public. Mm. Yeah. I, so what occurs to me as I hear you say that, Christy, is like, what habits are you cultivating? Yeah. Mm. It's a good what rhythms do you prioritize? Mm-hmm. Um, what story do you give oxygen to or light to or space to or time to? Or devotion to in your head. Yeah. What occupies your resting moments? What do you daydream about? And are you cultivating? Are you are you happy about that? And if not, what are you doing to to set your mind on other things? Yeah. Like these are some of the things that I I think have helped me mm-hmm. become a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good questions, Matt. Mm-hmm. Good for me to chew on, even as we talk about it. Um, those are, those are the kind of questions that are candy to me. I love candy. talking about that with my, nice. my closest friends, my husband. So yeah, yeah thank you for naming yeah. that. That's how we became friends, Christy. Mm. It is. Cause we just would throw, we just would throw <laughs> crazy questions at each other in our mid twenties. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> and we answered them. <laughs> right, right. Got, and we did answer them. Like, are yeah. we birds of a feather? What is going on? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I think the, the other thing that occurs to me, Christy, in answer to your question that I just want to mention um, is I, I have found, I have found that I, I don't fully know who I am or who I'm becoming until or unless people who love me are speaking it to me and saying it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, this gets back to kind of, I think what it means to be the church, what it means to be human uh, we don't really know who we are except with one another and in relationship with one another, that there's no such thing as an isolated individual identity that doesn't exist. It, it can't exist. Um, it's why isolation, you know, like uh, solitary confinement, that's what I'm trying to think of. That's why it's considered torture, right? Is like eventually right. you hallucinate and go crazy because... Mm. Your 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 mind is reaching out for connection and for communication for, and so part of it is like I don't know who I am. I don't know the gift that I am. I don't know the the problems I cause, unless I'm open to people naming to me who I am, and naming to me who I'm becoming. Here's what I see in you. Here's what's happening. Here here's how I, you know, and that's that you know that that can be done in a variety of ways. Um, some helpful, uh, some less than helpful, but I, I just, it just occurs to me that that's one of the ways that I know Christy, who, who I am and who I'm becoming is I hear things from people that I know love me. And if I hear them enough, I start to believe them. Um, yes. and yeah, so that's a good, it's a good question. Yeah. I think it's like good. I think so. Yeah. Do we, did we do I it? think we did an I think we did an episode <laughs> on Axiom Six. What God does. Do you know? Do you have us? any? Do you have any final thoughts? I know we heard from Christy. No, I don't. I don't. Um, I, something that occurred to me as you were speaking there, Ben, was, or even as I was listening into how you were answering the question, is that it is hard to know who we're becoming. But one one thing that I I think is is um, worth mentioning is important is. And we start recognizing that we're not alone, that, mm-hmm. that what we do and think and say and how we think about things affect other people. Yeah. 
And so that, that individuality that you were just speaking about um, is really important. And maybe that's part of the process of even just the fact that this axiom names that it's not just something in us, but something through means yeah. towards, directed towards elsewhere than ourselves, other right. humans, other right. people. And so I think that that's, there's, there's um, something of value in yeah. just recognizing that even if it's garbage that's coming out, <laughs> that there's, mm. there's potential for, for goodness yeah. because we're, we're recognizing that it isn't just something that we do in isolation. Yeah. That's good. Amen. I love Amen. these conversations. These are so me fun. Too. Me too. They are. They yeah. give me we're, stuff to chew on. Yeah. So I appreciate it. We're over, we're over halfway there now, guys. Just a couple we more weeks. We got Axiom 7, 8, and then a conclude. Just three more episodes, if my math is correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. And then we'll never talk to each other again. And listener. So sad. <laughs> Man. Well. You can never, ever have these conversations unless we're recording them. <laughs> uh, listener, thanks for letting us share these conversations with you. Thanks for taking an interest in, um, you know, us reflecting on this book. You know, I think just to be super candid, I, you know, Ben and I were a little sheepish about having a series on our book because it can seem a little, you know, pretentious, yeah. right? Yeah. There can be some hubris there. Sure. But uh, at the same time, I don't know. I'm pretty excited about our book, Ben. Yeah. I, we went through all, I when don't, people say like, how, how does it, how was the process? You know, we went through, like, if you just look this up, almost every author says the same thing. And I'm, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I used to think about that, but like going through it, it's like, yeah, we went through every phase of that. Like, Hey, this is, I think we got something to say. Let's put out a book proposal. Oh, mm -hmm. this is really fun. This is really exciting. And then you go into like, this book is crap. I, I hate this book. This is a bad book. Why did they sign us up for this? This is going to be awful. This is going to be humiliating. Nobody's ever going to give it. Yeah. Anyway, so all that happened. And then we edited it and we got it back. We did a couple, a couple more edits. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I think this book yeah. is okay. Little bit of this, and little now bit of like it's in our hands and we're like, okay, okay. I'm back to being excited about this book. I think it's good. <laughs> Hey, y'all. I hope you're enjoying this uh, podcast series that we're doing on our book, Having the Mind of Christ. Uh, it is now available uh, everywhere books are sold. You can order your book from Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you get your books. Uh, but if you order from IVP's website, uh, there's a link in the show notes and you use the code GRAVITY, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping. Uh, we'd also love to hear your questions um, or any reflections that you have. So if you go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button, you can leave us a 90-second question or reflection that we may use in a future episode if you have a, if you have a question that, we'd, uh, that you're okay with us sharing and that uh, we'd like to share. So uh, that, I think that's about it. Oh, you can also leave an Amazon review. Uh, for us, uh, that helps get the word out um, and about the book. And so, if you have the book and if you've read it, um, you know, don't leave a review if you haven't read the book. Uh, but if you have read it and you enjoyed it, uh, feel free to leave us uh, a review. And a review is apparently a, a star rating and um, a sentence of text. So, uh, really appreciate y'all tracking with us during this series. Um, we hope the book continues to be helpful for y'all. Please feel free to reach out to us at podcast at Gravity Leadership if you have any questions about uh, the book or about anything else about what we're doing here. Peace, y'all. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Joining our Gravity community is free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com join. Our show is produced by Ben Sternke and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sternke edits and mixes the podcast, and you can check out his work at aaronsternke.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start record button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.